Thank you for being here. Let's pray. Father, you are a gracious God. And things occur in our lives that we don't suspect, we don't expect, we don't even look forward to them. But they occur nonetheless. But when your joys come our way, we're quick to grasp them and and just enjoy them so much. So we take this world as it comes to us, as best we can, being guided by your wonderful spirit. We are a fortunate lot, those who can claim you. Those who cannot have no idea what they are missing. They can't fathom it. They can't search it out and find it. You have to grant it to us. You call us. And when we are called, we stay called. Your plan is perfect. We can't add to it. We would not want to. Bless the time we have. You be honored. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank Richard and the rest of the crew up here and Cindy and Josh and the sound crew. Everybody covered so many things for us that we didn't have to do just to to come here and take part in this. It is an honor. Last time we, I shared from, mainly from Galatians 5, 1. For freedom's sake, Christ has set you free. That would have been a good one for today because tomorrow is a very special day for us. Many other countries don't have a clue about July 4th. We don't know about their holidays. But for us, it is a precious one. It still is a precious one. Although some people said this week, and I don't know how you get to be quoted on various media places, but a number of them had just the opposite feeling about this country and they're free to do that. Isn't this a wonderful country? I remember the story about uh, after that hot summer in Philadelphia and all the, the, all the work was done and a lady sauntered up to Ben Franklin and said, well, Dr. Franklin, what have you given us? And he said, we've given you a representative republic if you can keep it. And that's what we must do. So, but today let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you would, if you have regular Bibles, you'll turn your pages. If you have a Bible app, which my parents, my parents' generation would have said, what are you talking about? You can turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to use the same, some of the same verses that Blaine uh, read so well for us. Um, <clears throat> this is Paul's last letter to anyone. Well, he could have written some personal letters, but it's the last one that has been canonized in the Scripture. It happened to be, it's not the last one chronologically that we read, <clears throat> we read, but it is the last letter that he wrote from his second time in prison. And it's interesting how he wrote it. He wrote it to Timothy as an encouraging letter and an instructional letter and just to share with him what God wanted him to share. <clears throat> Excuse me, bear with me on this. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people who will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, Swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, 
having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. Well, that's a, a mouthful. There's about 20 things there. I believe people have often, in every generation, read this and said, Ah-ha-ha, yep, he, was meant, he meant that for right now, right today. And it does, it, we read it that way. I've said these things. This looks like right now to me. But, you know, I believe it was written to <clears throat> exemplify what life would be like in the time of Christ when he was here and he gave his life for us through the church age until it was over with. These are the last days. I can't say that for sure, but I feel pretty strongly that's, that's what it meant. It didn't mean a specific time. Because let me ask you something. Let's go way, way back. First generation out of Eden. First guy, Cain. What does he do? He kills his brother. I read through those. We won't do it again because we don't have time. But I read through those. 17 of the 20 fit him perfectly. He's not living in the last days. He was living in the very first days of what we know. And yet he was, think of it. Now, I don't know that he was a lover of money because it doesn't say there was any money for a long time. So we'll just rule that one out. The lovers of, he was loved himself. He was proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to his parents. I don't know about that. Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, all those things. Cain fit that. So we can't just pick and choose and say, well, that just fits today. But we see what we are like aside from Christ. Unfortunately, we see what we are sometimes with him. That's quite an amazing thing. Uh, Do you get the idea, though, that today we humans don't seem to reveal that image-bearing part that we are? God says we're image-bearers. We're made in his image. We've often seen that in people, even unbelieving people. But it's hard to recognize that as much anymore. You see a lot of these things lived out. It's interesting. I, I wrote of these things. All of these traits we experience some of the time. Some of them much of the time. Praise God, not all of them all of the time. The key, really the key to our lives is who, who are we characterized as? If someone were to characterize your life, how would they describe it? A neighbor. Hmm. That's somebody knows us pretty well. A friend, a fellow worker. How would they characterize this? <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me give you an example. Remember in the Chronicles of Narnia, Narnia and the uh, Lion, the Witch, and Wardrobe, the kids were staying with that professor to escape London during the wartime, bombing and so forth. And Lucy and Edmund, in a hide-and-go-seek thing, they go into the wardrobe and they stretch out into Narnia. Wow, they come back. And, of course, the first time it was just Lucy. They didn't believe her. Second time they come back. Now they'll believe me. My brothers, Peter and Susan, they'll believe me because Edmund saw it too. But Edmund lied about it. When they got there to start sharing it with them, he said, no, 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 we didn't see any of that stuff. This girl's crazy. So they go to the professor. They said, we've got a problem with Lucy. She's, uh, she's, she's drifting on off and... Or else she's turned into a liar. And uh, so he just says, let's use a little logic. Which one of these two would you characterize as being the liar? They said, Edmund. He does that all the time. 
So Lucy's truthful. Yes, Lucy's truthful. Okay, do you think that she maybe has gone crazy or lost her mind? Well, no, no, she always seems very sane. He said, well, then why don't you just believe her? Just believe her. She's characterized as truthful. She's characterized as having sanity. Just believe her. So they, they were left with that. Well, they should have because later they found out found it to be true. But, folks, we should live like that. But how are we characterized? What kind of person are we characterized by? That's always very interesting to think about. Uh, <clears throat> let me read to you something from Isaiah. You know it well. The, all these scriptures. Why do we use scriptures over and over again? Some scriptures we use them over and over and over again. Because they say so much. I could have used a section of scripture from, say, uh, one of the, uh, say, the Chronicles or Kings or something about a battle. Read a few verses and you'd have scratched your heads and say, what in the world did he read that for? That was scripture. It may not have had any application for today, but this does. You know this well. Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 11. This describes the God we serve, the God who made us. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. Folks, the heavens are so high we can't see them. We don't even know where they are. They're so far. And if there's that big of a gap between his thinking and our thinking and our ways and his ways, and he's trying to help us do the best we can, we've got to know that and understand that we're, going to, we're just not going to measure up we're not going to measure up sometimes. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return, but they water the earth, just like uh, was mentioned in Lane's prayer about the, the rain, uh, ma- making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Now, he says those things in such a way as they're a strong promise. It's not a might or a maybe. So the the work that has been done in your life to bring you to him was purposeful, was specific, was designed. And hallelujah, what a wonderful thing to happen to us. Do we realize the privileged company we are in? Uh, I'm not in any great organization in a fraternity or, or in any kind of uh, special awards uh, like Woody Williams who just passed away the last uh, he was the last living recipient of the uh, Medal of Honor from World War II uh, nothing like that but we are in privileged company folks those of us who know the Lord and Savior it's very special this God and Savior whom we believers serve still remains in large part a mystery and always will. Isaiah 55, God, is he makes the statements, we are the hearers, and that's what he expects from us to, to listen and to obey and to appreciate what we have. I want to read to you now some the same continuing verses that uh, Blaine read for you, verses 10 through 17. This is where I've got, how many of you went by and saw the title of the sermon 
and wondered uh, if uh, someone hadn't kind of lost her marbles a little bit. Anybody? Uh, Leanne's grinning. She'll admit it. Uh, I, I thought this was pretty cool myself. But then um, might not be too impressive what I think is cool. But in 2 Timothy three ten through 17, it starts with these two words. He'd read all that other. He said, you, however, and that's what the, the, the title of the sermon is. We've got to be the you, however's. If someone asks you someday, well, who are you? I'm the you, however. Uh, they won't even begin to understand. But believers may would know. We would know. We've got to be the you, however's. We've got to be the Timothys that Paul was writing to. Paul knew this was his last time to speak to Timothy in written form. Now, does it have in history, does the, does the book of 2 Timothy hold the standard of, say, uh, Shakespearean work in, in, the, in the eyes of the world or uh, Milton or uh, great American author or some of these great works? No. If you mention 2 Timothy... People would not even begin to understand what you're talking about except for people who know the Bible. They'd say 2 Timothy. Well, who was the first Timothy? Well, you don't get it. You don't quite understand. But 2 Timothy is a key letter in this book that we call our Bible. And it's just interesting the way Paul wrote it. But he says, I'll read through uh, verse uh, 16 first. No, yeah. 17, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Now, I'm going to pick on Joanna here a little bit. I think she and Josh and Andy, too, all might have, they kind of always felt Paul was a, a little prideful. Like he was always saying, follow me. You can follow me. And here's Paul saying, look, you followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Was I right in that, Joe? I thought I got it right. But he's saying, because I have followed Jesus, I do these things. Um, And it says, all who desire to live godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Uh, like Blaine mentioned in his prayer, we, we haven't experienced that. I never have been persecuted for my beliefs. I've been ridiculed a couple of times by people, but that eh, doesn't much matter. Uh, you got to consider the source. If someone doesn't know Christ, what are they going to understand about what they're, what they're missing? But Paul here is very clear at saying, what I've asked you to, to watch, you have done. You've listened to me and... You followed all these things. I think he's probably reflecting back over his life. Um, but he does give the Lord credit. He rescued me. Indeed, all who live a, live uh, a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, 
that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. As important as those few verses are, do you think he, he could have flowered them up a little more, uh, juiced them up a little more? God's Spirit could have had him use maybe uh, just a little more Shakespearean-type English or something to juice these things up. It seems amazing the power in these these two, three verses here at the end of this, and yet they say just what they're meant to say. As clear as it can be, the scriptures are meant to be clear. We just had a little Bible or a little book study here recently, some of us, and it said that the scriptures were to be clear uh, and there should be clarity there, and there is. So we are, everything we need is right there. It's not flashy words, not showy, not spectacular, just powerful. And I, I do appreciate that. Looking at Paul's life as, as an example, he he looks at, he's looking his life from that road to Damascus experience on. He realizes he learned a lot early on, but his life began on that road, that dusty old road. And it changed for him there. But not Timothy's. Timothy started as a child. So parents, take heart. I guarantee you, Timothy slipped out the back door sometimes before he finished his chores, and he went fishing down the G&C. He said, I hear they're biting down there, and I'll try to fake mom out and do this stuff later or something like that. He got he, he went to the woodshed a few times. So his life was not perfect as a child. So you you parents raising children, take heed. You'll get them there by God's grace and mercy, one way or the other. But anyway, <clears throat> also, I've got something here. I have to ask this question. Why are we so often to not be satisfied with what Christ has supplied us in verses 16 and 17. We know the truth about the Scriptures, and we know that they equip us fully for everything we need, but we're not satisfied. As believers, we're not satisfied. We want more, and the more usually means I want what I want. Folks, it is a disheartening thing to see believers struggle with the same things that the unbelievers struggle with. If we've come to Christ as an adult, we know what those we know what that life is like. We know we still live it to a certain a certain degree. We still live in this body of flesh, and we still get jealous. We still get angry. We still get envious. We're still haughty. We're still judgmental. We can go on. We can use a million descriptive terms. We know that we are, but why do we stay there? We often wallow there for a long time, and it begins to affect. Our marriages begins to affect our marriages and our parenting and our being brothers and sisters to one another makes us unfruitful. And it's got to be pretty sickening to our Heavenly Father. He understands perfectly. He knows that. He knows what's going to happen. But we have every opportunity as believers to bring honor and glory to him. And if there was ever a time in America that this world out here needs to see something different, 
need to see believers being believers. It's now. It's, this is the time for us to be gracious, understanding, and loving and caring and sharing the truth with people. Uh, it's just a, a special time to be, be able to do that. Um, as Paul's finishing up his life, he doesn't, he doesn't say a whole lot about it, but he does in the next chapter, chapter 4, as we move on here, listen to these, <clears throat> the first uh, five verses. Paul says, uh, remember as a letter, there weren't chapters, changes, or verses, but they just, uh, our very brilliant forefathers thought to break uh, Letters and books of the Bible up into chapters and verses. And it has made it so easy, hasn't it? But he continues on with what he was saying. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, enduring suffering. Do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So Paul's summary here is very sobering. It is serious business. It is a serious business we've undertaken to be God's Christ ambassadors here on earth. You know, we, we believe salvation to be a free gift, absolutely free. We can't earn one iota. We can't do one thing. We cannot do anything. No act of ours helps it along, improves it in any way. He decides to call us because he's decided that before the foundations of the earth. Don't ask anyone to explain that because they cannot. But with those facts, then to leave us with that same responsibility or the message, to share that message with others, seems to be taking a great risk to leave it with us because we... We fail him so often. But that doesn't threaten him. His love for us doesn't change. But we are his ambassadors. Uh, So Paul's reflecting on that to Timothy, giving him his last instructions. They're very sobering things, very serious things for him to do. We won't really know until heaven. We pass Timothy on the street there and we're able to, Say, hey, can you give me a couple hours? I'd like to ask you some questions. He said, sure. We've got eternity. I've got all the time in the world. We won't be rushed. Won't that be wonderful? We won't have deadlines. But we'll ask him what it was like to follow and serve Paul's teaching, Christ's teaching through Paul after Paul passed away and went on to be with his Lord in heaven. So we can find out those things. But this is an interesting statement here toward the end. Verses 6 through 8, Paul finally shares some of uh, what's really tugging at parts of his heart. Wouldn't it be for you if you knew your time was short? We don't know our time is short. 
um, you know, Thursday, I thought I was over all this. You know, I thought, eh, the symptoms weren't bad, no fevers, we're good. So Thursday was going to be dry through that time. The garden was going to dry out. I kept my eye on that garden, kept my eye peeled right on that thing. It dried up. I said, okay, I can tackle that thing. A couple hours worth of work. I'll have it worked out and everything. Five hours later, <gasps> I was huffing and puffing, worn out. I was depressed. I really thought in my mind, in my heart, I had to stop and sit down in the shade. I don't know how many times. I said, I finally reached the age where I just can't do all the things I thought I always would be able to do. Lord, why? And I was whining and crying out there, crying a river of tears. And Nancy would come out and check on me and bring me water and stuff like that. And I just, I sung the blues. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I just, I was, wasn't worth a hoot. I thought I was going to pass out a few times. It was difficult. And then we test positive again Friday evening. And uh, I talked to Josh, my son, and, uh, and explained, he said, Dad, that wasn't weariness on Thursday. That was the leftovers of this COVID. He said, you know how long it took me to get, it took me days and days and days to get my strength back. I was, I thought I was never going to get it back. And so that was so encouraging. So I, I was really excited. And I said, Lord, uh, uh, forgive me for being such a whiner and a crier and a crybaby. And I'll just accept that Thursdays is being tired of that COVID stuff, that old rotten stuff so but here's paul reflecting on his life from the road to damascus to this present what a life uh i mean none of us can say we've been stoned and drug out and thrown in a ditch expecting to die and all of your disciples all your people stand there looking at him i know that's what they were doing they all had a big circle around him because he wasn't moving they said i guess he's dead i he's fine he his music, his, his life is over. His, and then he moves a little bit. And they say, hey, let's, let's patch up some some uh, bleeding areas and some, I don't know if he had a broken bone or two. I don't know. But can you imagine he got up and walked right back in? Spent a night and said, I'll leave the next day on my terms. So that's Paul, verses 6 through 8. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And folks, that is us, those who know him. That will be a sweet day to see him face to face. The older I become, the more I pray that prayer. Uh, I long to see him. He, like I say, these last two weeks have been such a roller coaster ride of emotions. There really wasn't anything else I knew I could do than to come and do this today. But, and I may with test right now and be negative, but I, and I don't think I'm, <clears throat> uh, contagious or anything but it's still i said it's a stretch and i'm pushing myself on my fellow 
brothers and sisters there at DBC, and I hope you understand. I hope you're not angry with me, but it's all I could do. I couldn't call on someone else at such short notice. And it's interesting how God works things. Uh, they just don't happen the way we think sometimes they should happen. And I know a lot of you have big plans. Some some people in here are headed off this week on a huge over-the-seas vacation. And we pray God's best for them. And others are going to see other family members. Others are there now. Will be good. Others may be visiting here and going other places. No matter where we go, what we do, we have a simple, simple life to live in a way. Just one of honor and glory to our Lord and Savior. I encourage you to do that. If you have anything against me or anything any other believer in this church family, go to them, lovingly confront them, lovingly share with them, say, let's pray together, let's work through this together. If you share anything, this wasn't in here, it's just come to me. If you share anything with someone else about someone else, and that person can't help you with that someone, don't do it. That's gossip. Let's don't be that kind of a church family. Let's be an, a loving family, a caring family. It means we'll mess up. Someone needs to come to us and say, Brother, Dave, I love you, but I think you need to be held accountable for this. Can we work on this together? Yes, let's do that. Let's be big enough to be God's family that way. Ah, so my lecture is over. Let's pray. Father, you are a gracious God. I said that last part, not as a condemnation, but I just felt led to say it for my own benefit. I don't want to ever share anything with any, with that it's about someone in this church family or my neighbors or anyone with someone else if it's not meant for us then to go and be helpful to reconcile those things. If we had that as a standard, we just wouldn't have as many difficulties as we do in our universal church throughout the world. A huge problem, Lord. Bless this church family. Bless our pastor and his family. May they enjoy their time together to the nth degree. Take care of us all and all that we endeavor to do, that we would honor you, we would bring praise and glory to your name. I thank you for, especially Richard being willing to put those two songs. I always have the same songs. I, I probably always will. Those two songs, Before the Throne of God Above and All I Have is Christ, is, they're such complete gospel messages in themselves. Not just the gospel, but what the life is like for the believer that you really just have to sing a couple. That, those two songs, we go home. But thank you for the patience of these people, the understanding Lord, we love you because you first loved us. I've always wondered why at age 22 you visited me. 
And you just didn't come subtly. You came with a sledgehammer of truth. And in a unique way, took a friend of mine and I to a local church, to what we used to call, it would happen all the time at Baptist churches, revivals. And how we went every night that week. I heard some of these same verses that we hear all the time. I heard them all my life. They didn't mean anything much until those few nights. You changed my life forever. I am forever in debt to you for that. Thank you for the wonderful family you've given me. They are precious to me. My neighbors, my friends, this church family. I feel like George Bailey in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. I feel like the richest man in town. I praise you and thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.